Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Fairly significant day yesterday. We had the Liberals and the New Democrats federally announce that they've agreed on a national pharmacare program, or at least structured for a national pharmacare program. And, look, for millions of Canadians, this issue is much more basic. These Canadians, and at present, it's 6.5 million who have no family doctor, okay? We've talked about this before and with our next guest. But we found out this week that number is going to go to about 10 million with no family physician. A quarter of our national population will we be without the first link in the national health care situation, reality. So where are these Canadians going to, these, these, these six and a half now, 10 million to come, where are they going to get the prescription for their illness if they cannot access a family physician? And even if you need a specialist, you cannot see a specialist, you cannot book an appointment with a specialist with our national system unless you go through the family physician first. So the National Pharmacare Program will mean nothing to these Canadians unless they have a miraculous solution. And we know that government's always full of miraculous solutions. Some people are dying, literally, without being diagnosed. Family doctors in this country are under huge pressure. We've talked to our next guest about this. And they're either moving to other medical disciplines or maybe retiring. You know, the, the dedicated family doctors staying with their practice. I read about one doctor who was going to retire and then just couldn't face telling his, his roster, his patient roster, I'm leaving. Because where were they going to go? So he stays. The family doctors are under huge pressure. So my question really is, where should the emphasis be? on really um, properly setting up, arranging, managing the healthcare system so the doctors can actually exist in this country and the system works for patients who can then obtain a prescription and then maybe pharmacare, and I still have issues with that, questions about that. But it's a huge, huge issue and a political solution for the Liberals and the NDP, so they can keep their coalition going by announcing a national pharmacare program, because that's what happened yesterday. And now I know why Mr. Singh isn't on this program. They told us three weeks ago they wanted him on the show, and then they just disappeared. Now I know why that is. Dr. Kathleen Ross is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. Ross, the first thing I want to say to you is thank you for being a family doctor. It's a, it's a challenging job in these times, for sure. You've highlighted it. Yeah, and, and, and it is true, isn't it, that so many family physicians in this country are either retiring or choosing uh, different medical disciplines to pursue. Well, I, I think the right word in some cases is quitting. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's something that we should not be afraid to name. Uh, and there are a variety of reasons why family physicians that are in those longitudinal practices are stepping away 
and and looking for other alternatives. And uh, and a big part of that is the is the working environment and the demands as as we've highlighted before. So it really is time for us to start uh, you know thinking differently about how we deliver primary care to Canadians. Mm-hmm. You know, I was shocked, as I'm sure many others in this country were, and worried. I have a family doctor, but 6.5 million Canadians do not. Uh, and that number is going to swell to 10 million, we're told, or again, 25% of the national population. It, it's not manageable now. How bad will it be when we get to 10 million? Well, it's my hope that we're not going to actually get to 10 million. Uh, you know, at the Canadian Medical Association, we've been calling on the government to to fund and support, uh, you know, robust interdisciplinary primary care teams. And, you know, last year we said we wanted 50% of Canadians uh, having access to teams within five years and 80% within 10 years. But with all of these retirements and the shifting age demographic, I think we're going to have to try and move a bit faster. So over the last two days here in Ottawa, I was attending meetings with the team uh, primary care initiative uh, and really shored up, uh, you know, the, the willingness on behalf of, of all of those who deliver care uh, that really could be lumped under the primary care umbrella to train differently, uh, ensure that everyone has the ability to work in teams so that, that uh, Canadians can access the best care with the best provider uh, in that team. And, and that means a broad range of services that's designed to meet the needs of, of the individual communities we serve and, and well-connected uh, and in partnership with those communities. You know, it stuns me really that uh, governments, successive governments, have chosen not to follow the advice uh, fully the Canadian Medical Association offers, have not to follow uh, the examples that exist internationally of hybrid healthcare delivery systems, which seem to work quite well. And here we are, you, you and I speaking again, and we've spoken several times now during your tenure as president of the Canadian Medical Association of the challenges doctors are facing and the great challenges that patients are facing. And it's terribly concerning to me and to most people in Canada, you too, I'm sure, probably more so than the rest of us because you have a more direct view of the situation. When a patient has an issue but doesn't have a doctor, where do they go to be diagnosed? Where do they go to receive a prescription and be referred to a specialist without having a family doctor? It's a dead end from the beginning, isn't it? Well, it's certainly been a challenge for you know almost seven million Canadians uh, now, and that's one of the things driving our emergency room and urgent care, uh, episodic type care, and why we're seeing the emergence of you know virtual care only stopgap measures across the country, and not that build into the longitudinal you know lifetime cradle to grave services that we know really impact the health of Canadians and. As I said, this time, this time feels different, and I'll tell you why it feels different to me. For decades, uh, you know, those of us that provide care have been having these conversations with, uh, with governing bodies and, uh, and speaking on behalf of, of Canadians and identifying some of these challenges. But the, the public is, is much more engaged here in 2024 than they were 20 years ago, much more vocal about what they want in their care. And... We've seen initiatives like Dr. Tara Karen's Our Care across Canada, the Canadian Medical Association's just completing discussions on the public-private engagement with citizens in the, in the country. There's surveys that abound 
all these things are, are showing that Canadians are aware now of the challenges that the healthcare system has and, and willing to lean in and, and speak up about what they actually want. And mm. we know that that makes a difference. I think more and more Canadians actually have a personal experience with this system now and uh, how challenged it is. Either it's them or a member of their family or, or a friend and they're starting to realize, people are starting to realize just how significant the issue is. And then we hear six and a half million now, possibly going to 10 million without a family doctor. And then into all of this, and I apologize, you weren't, you weren't prepared to speak about this, this issue of pharmacare, but then I didn't know they were going to announce it yesterday when I uh, scheduled you for the interview. Thank you for taking the interview, by the way. Into all of this wades the new pharmacare agreement announced by the Trudeau government and the new Democrats. How does the pharmacare program help Canadians with no family doctor, no diagnosis, and no way to, well, few ways to obtain a prescription for, medi for medication after having such a challenging time even being diagnosed? Well, certainly these are these are questions that are that are, as I said, brewing and and speak to the need to move and think differently uh, about how we address the needs of Canadians. But in keeping with the CMA policy over the last many years, and we've done a number of surveys and engagements on this topic previously, uh, we do support the, the federal commitment to work with the provinces and territories on on pharmacare. And and I, I see for years now i've seen you know concerns around patients having access to their prescription medications to the point that when i was starting to write a prescription just uh, just 2 weeks ago in the office i i had to change what i was going to provide to a patient because they didn't have a drug plan so to think outside the box how else could i deliver this in a way that the patient could afford the medication uh, that they actually needed and more and more we're we're having to ask people do you have coverage before we write a prescription I have I have weekly conversations with my uh, with my own elderly family member that uh, that's on expensive medications that aren't covered uh, under a pharmacare plan and uh, and reassure them that yes those dollars that you're spending are important that they keep you out of the hospital that they keep you well mm -hmm. uh, and encourage them to continue to to make that choice to spend uh, what's not an insignificant amount of money. These are these are challenges uh, to the equity of access to uh, to truly robust health care, and and we need to start thinking a little bit further down the road. You know, people need these medications now. For example, um, the diabetes medications that are proposed, and I acknowledge we don't have all of the details, so it's hard to comment. But properly managing diabetes now reduces your chance of heart disease and you know kidney disease, including dialysis down the line, and. Uh, you know, just many complications, including amputations, all those things that are very much more expensive down the line um, if the disease you have now isn't managed properly. Yeah. There's also the concern, and uh, they've experienced it in places like New Zealand, where if the government doesn't fund pharmacare, the medications, the expensive, new, state-of-the-art, life-saving medications, the pharmaceutical companies just won't make them available. And so some countries go without uh, the, the the best medication because their national pharmacare programs won't pay for it, and so the patient suffers there as well. I mean, this is a very complex issue, and it it can't be resolved. And I'm not asking you to comment on this, but it can't. You may, if you wish, you can't. It can't be resolved by two political parties coming to a political agreement. But. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. This is a, it's a complicated and a nuanced problem. It speaks to cost of medications and access to medications in one jurisdiction versus another. 
Um, but we really don't have standardization of what, uh, what's even covered under current provincial plans across the country. So I think that we have to, uh, we have to take steps to ensure that, that Canadians are equitably treated across, uh, across all jurisdictions in Canada. And we have to start somewhere. So if this is our first, uh, our first baby step into seeing how this works and, and how, uh, how we can progress, uh, I think that's amazing. But, you know, Canada's the only uh, equivalent OECD country with universal health care that doesn't actually also have some form of universal pharmacare coverage. So obviously, other jurisdictions, other countries have figured this out. I think it's, uh, it's time for us to be having these robust conversations. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.